The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast. I'm staring at a lavender wall. Uh, we're painting in here, and we've got a controversial wall. It, it's lavender, but it kind of was drying pink, and we were a little concerned. Not that it matters that much, but it's now turning lavender. I think it looks fine, either way. It looks fine. Uh, and it would look great if I didn't have to uh, cut in everything. If I could just leave the edges not painted, I'd be really happy about this painting effort. I'm sure you would. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson. This is the Powercat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge at the corner of Claflin and Westport Avenues and Drives. Damn and it, you had it, man. <laughs> you had it. You had it. It's all you can go look it up. Just just Google the fridge. Manhattan A Kansas. fridge or the fridge? The, the fridge. <laughs> wholesale liquor. Because yep. I mean, why would you want to go someplace that didn't sell you the whole liquor? I mean why would you go and some there's like a half a bottle of jack left and that's what they're trying to sell you. At the fridge, they give you the wholesale. That's a bar, technically. Oh, it is. <laughs> I mean, you, you just share bottles of alcohol with people at bars. <laughs> I don't like to share. Think about that. I don't like to share. Our first segment is brought to you by Tanners. I was in Tanners the other day. Watched the little uh, Longhorn Network. They had the Longhorn Network. Or or what is it called? Neckwork. The Longhorn Neckwork. According to Bruce Weber. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bruce. Neckwort. Neckwort. The Longhorn Network uh, featuring Baylor and Texas. Baylor did not show up. K-State sits alone in first place in the Big 12 Conference. How about that? What a world. What a time to be alive. At the turn, so to speak. They are nine games in the 18-game schedule. Iowa State is a half game behind because they are 10 games in, and they have no midweek game next week. LNK State is at Texas. Iowa State has their off midweek before they come to Manhattan. Correct? Yep. That would be indeed correct. Mm, it's getting interesting. It's getting interesting around here. K-State, of course, with the big win over the Kansas Jayhawks. I imagine you have a few questions from Wabash Station a on couple. that topic. A couple. A couple. But again, salute to our friends at the Fridge and Tanners. And here we go with your questions from Wabash Station on the Powercat Podcast. From AZCAT05, for those of us who weren't there, how would you rate the environment compared to the past KU games? And did it rattle KU's young players? It was loud. It was it was really loud. We discussed this in the office. I don't remember. Look, I, I go back to Ahern. And I remember how much it hurt your ears. You'd have to cover up your ears. You couldn't shout at the person next to you when the the noise was at its most. Um, literally, you couldn't shout in a person's ear, and they couldn't hear it. There was so much noise. That Cartier Jada dunk 
came as close to that as I remember. And what impresses me is that was pure noise. There was no, you know... Techno music. Yeah, exactly. That's what KU always brings. It's so loud. Well, yeah, you've got great speakers. Your crowd isn't that loud. That crowd was unbelievable. It, You know, and I don't think the atmosphere overall through the course of the game was that great because K-State didn't play well. For a lot of the game, they didn't play well. They went almost 10 minutes in the first half without scoring a field goal. They scored four points in that period. A three-pointer in the final 30-some seconds and one free throw in the last 10 minutes of the first half. But that's what I take away in the big picture of the game was that K-State didn't play that well. They shot crappy from the free throw line. They had a spell where they just couldn't score at all, and they still won. So to beat KU in the past, you better bring your A game. And get some breaks, and then maybe you'll win if you don't get a bad call that goes uh, KU's way. This time, they didn't even have to bring their A game. They brought their, I, I think they brought their B game, maybe B minus. I don't know. It was, But it was a fun atmosphere. Uh, a shout-out to the kid who decided to come through press row <laughs> to get to the court and pick the fattest guy on the front row to try to go in between. <laughs> He got halfway up the scores table, and Fitz looked at him like, I couldn't tell if Fitz was mad or if Fitz was just confused. It was really weird. I'm like, how did you get here? There's two tables, rows of tables behind me. How did you get to this spot and decide the fat guy is the guy I'm going to go between to get over the top to the table? When there was, like, open seats, there was, like, his buddies looked at looked at him like, I'm, I'm going to go down here where there's no one sitting and go over the table. If only he had broken my laptop, then I could have gotten a new one on insurance. Yeah. You know, that's our little area. Don't don't come yeah. in our area. It was really loud, though. Um, <clears throat> I think that was the first KU game that I uh, – because I've been at every KU game in Bramlage since Woolies last year. And that was the first one I can remember that literally my ears were ringing right. like that since 08. Cause, cause the year Poland went off, it was just kind of like, yeah, it was, it was fun, but it's like, I mean, they're up by 15. Like, you know, it's not as loud when you're in a tight game, when like it is when you're in a tight game, like Tuesday night was, and that was a lot of, a lot of yelling and a, and a lot of ear ringing. But Fitz kind of hit it on the head that you couldn't exactly speak to the person next to you. It doesn't help that Michael Gillins is already kind of a tough guy to hear. It's so funny. And then <laughs> he was talking down. to you, and I'm like, I can't hear what he's saying. I'm like, I don't know, man. You gotta text me or something. But it was good. It was fun. Good job, uh, students. You were amazing. From Emon 1240, I think that's a new one. Welcome. Uh, was Cartier's windmill windmill hammer the greatest dunk in K State history? Uh, I don't. I, I, I can't think of any other dunks. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's exactly. point, you know. I still think the Bill Walker capping off the 25 year streak was a better one. Like in terms of what it meant, you know. Right. Yes, Cartier had the better dunk because Bill just kind of dunked it just stood there and jumped but it was louder when bill dunked that ball in 08 than it was when cardi dunked it this year right mm, had to be know. i don't think so. i don't know i don't know but I, I'll, I'll say this that was one hell of a dunk oh god that wasn't a i'm gonna jump up under the basket and one it. he sailed in he picked he jumped from the big 12 big 12 logo the very start of it it was remarkable but uh it reminded me a lot of myself Oh, that's a long time ago when I windmill dunk all the time. 
Sure, sure. But yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. I, I'm just not one that, in my brain, keeps a pecking order of great dunks in Bramlage. I kind of keep a pecking order of the crappy seasons I've seen in Bramlage. That's not true. I don't do that either. But yeah, I, I don't know. From Taco Cat 3000, agree or disagree? That was Cartier Jada's best game of the season, or the. Or, there's two questions, I guess. Was that his best game of the season, and was it the best game of his career? Well, probably. Not, not career. Yeah, not career. He's, he's gone into the 20s with points before and just been unstoppable. Maybe the most meaningful performance he's had. But certainly the best performance he's had this season. Last year, when he took over for Kamau Stokes, he was really good for a while. Really good. You know, and it's funny that the biggest play of the game, I thought for him, wasn't the dunk. Um, and it wasn't even him scoring. There was a midway of the second half, maybe about eight minutes ago. I'd have to look up the stats. They got a rebound, and Cardi pushed the ball so fast. He was going Denny Clemente fast up the court. He was flying up the right side and dished it across to Barry Brown. I think he got an and one or, or something, you know, or just a layup. That's when KU, I think, started to realize we're in trouble here. They got they got more energy. They want this more. They're pushing the pace now in a way they did in the first half. We're not getting our zone set up. They're just beating us down the court. It was, and I remember he was coming right at me. That's why I remember it so well. You know, where our seats are on Press Row, I'm looking, you know, basically just outside the lane, straight up the court, and he was coming right at me. And the determination he was coming with and the speed at which he was traveling was really impressive. And he made a perfect pass. He did exactly what you need him to do. You don't need him to be a starting point guard on this team because he's not. Kamal Stokes is the starting point guard. You don't need him to come off the bench and score 20 points because that's not what he does. You need him to do everything that he did in that game. He he added some nice scoring, obviously. Um, but, but that wasn't kind of his it wasn't the the highlight and i don't know if he necessarily had a, a highlight stat of the game really he just because i mean 11 points and then nothing that jumped off the sheet but it just it, fe- it was one of those games where like he could have scored four points and i could have looked at the stat sheet and gone he only had four points you know that's where i was with mike mcgirl yeah he had five points but both of the shots were really significant I just, I think, it just, it was one of those games where you, man, where you just kind of said, "Man, I'm glad that Cardi was on the floor." You know what? And you can make an argument that his dunk wasn't even the most important points. That three he buried from the corner, where he ball faked before he shot the ball, which is not his thing. I mean, he faked a pass, moved the defender just slightly, and put up a three from right in front of the K-State bench and made it. I thought there was no way that was going in, and that was a huge shot in the course of the game. Was that the one where Dean had that? Just ridiculous pass. I think so, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's really where K-State got to go on is when Dean got into the lane, did did what you do against a 2-3 zone. You get into the lane, he hit some short shots, they started collapsing, he kicked it, and they buckled the zone. And I don't know why it's so hard for them to figure this out in the first half, but that's exactly what they needed to do and did it in the second half. 
from Meow Power. How can we look so completely lost against a zone in one half and then absolutely shred it the next? It's, Please explain. I, I know. And what they need to do is so simple, and yet they fall into the bad habit of standing around and passing around the outside. I don't think this team fully understands that it's just not a matter of you're hot shooting the three-pointer in the second half and not in the first half. It's where those shots are coming from and how they're developed that quite often the ball's coming inside out to them, so they're catching it and going towards the basket, or the ball's moving with you know, some, some rhythm to it. It's flying around the court. When they're passing really briskly, it's just easier to shoot than, you know, here's a lollipop pass, and now think about shooting the three-pointer. Are you going to shoot it? Okay, you missed. Their demeanor's different. The way the ball's delivered to the shooters is different. They just got to, they got to play harder. When they get motionless, Riley, they get into big trouble. But they picked up the pace, and they started beating KU down the floor, and then that helped them be more active against the zone overall. Sometimes it kind of feels like they buy into the, you know, they always say that, oh, we don't listen to this, we don't listen to that. But sometimes it kind of feels like they almost do buy into the, this team can't beat a zone. And then they see a zone and they go, oh, crap, this is what we can't do. We don't know how to beat this. So it takes them either a few minutes or the entire game to figure it out, and sometimes it's too late. In a game like this, it obviously wasn't too late. Thankfully, they picked it up and they figured it out. But And, and I wish I had a better answer to the question because that's – I mean, I literally asked it myself. <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking like – how can they go from being so incompetent against it to to not even caring? Because we've seen him now multiple times. You know, Bruce Weber has told us multiple times this year. There, he goes. He says there are times where we pick a part of zone. Yeah, there are times. So why don't you do it more often? That's that's the confusing part, and that's the part that I don't have all that great of an answer for, unfortunately. From Canelio, does Baylor stop our our momentum with the zone on Saturday? You know what's odd is the Baylor zones never really hurt K-State. Yes, at least in the last three years. Yeah. Since that year, we went down there when Baylor was number two and they beat them. It's very strange. They struggle against the zone with teams that don't know what they're doing and don't even do a good zone like A&M. And then Baylor, that runs a good zone, K-State takes it apart. It's almost like they're so good at scouting that they're able to beat the good ones, and then they don't prepare for a different team? I mean, do you think that's accurate? Because I be. I don't know. But it's it seriously, like, we've seen Scott Drew go man, <laughs> which he doesn't do. Yep. Um, I think he'll probably go zone for 40 minutes in this one, regardless, unless K-State's just absolutely thrashing him. But I think this is a pretty good Baylor team that is going to – they're going to cause fits. Um, I don't – I don't see this team, you know, absolutely destroying his own three straight games, just kind of law of averages thing. But I'm not saying they can't win. I think they will win. But I do think it might get a little bit ugly at times just because maybe they do one of those things where they psych themselves out a little bit. They buy into the thought that Baylor's putting his own out there that they might not be able to beat. But ever since that year that Fitz and I went down there when Baylor was number two, it's it's like it hasn't mattered how good Baylor is. K State's just kind of gonna get the job done. Yep, you're right. From AZ Caddo five, is Dean still experiencing soreness in his foot, or can we say he is 100? percent I there's no reason to believe. I mean, I'm sure he's sore. Everybody's sore. Barry Brown's sore. Heck, I bet Pearson McAtee's sore. But I don't think there's anything to the from point. the celebration. 
Probably. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> From high fives. Speaking of the celebration, Cartier got hit in the face with a water bottle. <laughs> really? <laughs> he goes, because they always do the, where they spray the water on you when you run in the locker room. Someone accidentally let go of a water bottle and it hit him in the eye. <laughs> but no, uh, Dean's Dean's fine. Um, and, you know, at this point it's, if he has a bad game and someone blames it on the in- injury, I'm, I'm not saying a player or a coach, I'm saying anybody, then they're just digging for an excuse because uh, he seems totally fine. He's playing totally fine. If he was to the point where it was affecting his play, you would see his minutes drop down. From Lance1951, another new one. Welcome. Yeah, he's uh, been around a while. Has but he? Not, not, not recently, podcast? I don't think. I don't remember ever. Well, I don't, back. I don't remember him asking questions. Okay, yeah, maybe not. Are you disappointed in Dean Wade's play so far this year? I'm, I'm, this is where I'm disappointed. So the first half, he comes out and hits his first three. I'm like, good Dean Wade is here. And then they went to the zone, and he blatantly passed up a shot where Mitch Lightfoot didn't get to the rotation quick enough. They were already under 10 on the shot clock. It's clearly a shot he needs to take, and he passed it up. <clears throat> and, in fact, they ended up with a shot clock violation because they couldn't find anything better. I thought right then Dean went into bad Dean mode, like timid Dean. Like, I, I, I lost my confidence now. And then in the second half, he came out. They got him a shot in the lane. He missed it, but he got a really nice tip in. And then all of a sudden, good Dean's there. He's so fragile with his confidence. Dude, you're a really good basketball player. Nobody makes every shot. Nobody makes every decision right. I I almost feel like if you could crawl into his head, five minutes after passing up that shot, he's still going, I should have taken that shot, man. Why didn't I take that shot? You can almost see him overthinking things. He should have taken that shot. It should have been instinctive. He, he, damn it, Dean, get more selfish. Yeah. Don't worry that you're shooting too often or whatever's going through your head. That shot needed to be taken for multiple reasons. First, you're the best outside shooter on this team. I believe that consistently. Stroke it. Second, you were the shot clock was getting down. There was no reason to look for a better shot. That's a shot you can hit connect with it. Maybe he just didn't catch it cleanly. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, credit to uh, C.J. Moore from The Athletic had, I guess, like a separate interview with Dean at the game, which was interesting, but uh, there was that that jumper. I don't know if you guys remember it. There's a jumper that he took, and he definitely got fouled on the shot, Um, but they didn't call it, and Dean was like, I've never seen Dean straight up complain to the refs about a no call before, but he was he was kind of hounding them about it for a while, um, and then he he regressed again after that play. It took a few possessions before he got back into it, and the quote in CJ's story was that the, one of the assistants, whether it was Lowry or Frazier, I don't know, went up to him in a timeout and said, "What you you didn't get a call, so now you're gonna whine about it and you're gonna be a baby about it." Like, it it I hate to just do a broken record with him, but it, he's just like Fitz said, his his mental. F- his mental state in basketball just has never been uh, where it needs to be for a full 40-minute no. period, unfortunately. No, it was a horrible no-call. It was in that phase where um, Jerry Pollard decided to call everything in Katie's favor. God. It was, I mean, it was so blatant. He had a, a really a 50-50 call that went K-State's way on the charge right in front of me. And uh, I, I think it was the right call, even though – who was Cardi or someone was still moving. That's not, I hate it when commentators, but he was still moving. That's not the rule. <laughs> I mean, he beat him to the spot. The guy dipped his shoulder into him. 
That's that's a charge. It was a good call. Bill Self chewed him out. And for three calls in a row, two of them were really bad. The third one, I had the perfect angle on. Cardi did push off with his arm to get that layup. <laughs> we we were staring right down the court at it. It was actually a really good call. But 95% of the arena couldn't see it. Well, 95% of the arena wouldn't be able to see a foul if someone undercut a player. That's true. <laughs> but Dean Wade, that wasn't like... He clipped his wrist while shooting the ball. He hit him blatantly on the forearm and knocked the ball loose. I mean, it was a horrible. Yeah. But Jerry does this. It's like, okay, I'm going to call everything for your way. Now I'm going to call everything for your way. He gets into that, and it drives me crazy. He used to be a different official than he is now. Now he's into the Showtime thing. Uh, you know, I'm sitting next to Vahe Gregorian from The Star, one of the, the princes of our industry, and he knows him. He's from St. Joe, Missouri, and says, you know, in fact, he came over and said hi. Seems like a nice guy, but he gets involved in the game too much instead of just making calls, and that's kind of what bothers me about officiating. Now, with that said, I think he kind of swung back to K-State's favor as the game went on and some momentum started to build. Getting back to Dean just real quick, if you're an outsider and you don't watch K-State that much, you look at his stats and – you're not disappointed. I mean, he's only had, I'm looking at here, two games where he didn't score 10 or more points. Um, obviously, he sat out those six. But so he, I wouldn't say he's been disappointing from a numbers standpoint. But to me, his numbers come rather quietly. You know, he, he gets to um, seven, he had 17 at Texas A&M. He had 16 against TCU, but he was 4-9 against TCU. He's so quiet with it. He, it, it just doesn't feel like he's dominating. That's why I don't think he's going to win Big 12 Player of the Year. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, Lawson is, I think. Yeah, because Lawson not only impacts the team, but he does it. He, he kind of, you know, so to speak, announces his presence with his play, and I just he's, don't feel like really that. good. Yeah, that too. He's he's really good, and yeah, I thought K State, even though he had 18 points, did a pretty good job on him. Dean did a really good job on him. Uh, they forced him into some turnovers, some awkward shots, but boy, when he beats you to the corner, you're in big trouble. Yeah, he's an NBA dude. From. Uh, Purple cheese from purple cheese. Uh, <laughs> wow. Do you anticipate K State playing loose and well in Allen Fieldhouse like they have the past couple seasons? Or does KU play the pissed off card and run them out of the building? I I almost fear the latter because not not because of I doubt K State. I, I think they absolutely can go in there and win, but it just it it's like the it's like the OE team, right? They they could have absolutely won here, there, and in Africa, but they just didn't. And I don't know why I feel like that. I think a key is K-State needs to have a two, two-and-a-half game lead, three-game lead on KU at that point. From Purple Cheese, last question of the first half. Uh, nine games left in the conference season. Which games do you anticipate a loss? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um Again, it goes back to the the thought of, oh, wow, can you really predict this team, right? I didn't necessarily know if they were going to beat KU. Um, I, I feel like they're going to lose one of these next two, whether it's Baylor, whether it's Texas. I don't know. I just Two-game road stretch and the fact that you have the lead kind of makes me feel like maybe you'll give one of these back. Uh, Iowa State's really, really hot, but... It's at home, and they beat them in Ames, which makes me feel a little bit more confident Folks, about winning that. I know I know the students always bring their A game for Kansas. 
uh, a week from Saturday when Iowa State comes to town, you got to bring your A game again. You got to do that. That again. thing's huge. You got to give them the KU treatment because I think that's the other. I think K State and Iowa State are the two best teams in this conference, and it's a huge game. And keep in mind that would represent a sweep of Iowa State, and that's all tiebreakers to K State's advantage. I think what fans just don't realize, not to go off on a tangent, students specifically, is. This would be potentially one of the toughest places in all of college basketball to play if you would do that every single game. Exactly. I know you don't want to go to Tuesday night against Kennesaw State or whatever. I get that. But there's no reason that Texas Tech, that that Oklahoma State, like w- w- there's no reason for you to not show up and do that. Every Big 12 game should get that treatment. Yeah. When you're in when you're in school, it bugs me that there's some games where they're not. And every if there's a, you know, South Carolina comes to town next year or whatever. Those games, any you know, major any big opponents. ones. That what games? I think they'll lose. A, I'll say they'll lose three more. I don't know. I think where. that's reasonable. At you know, I think they played extremely well through these seven games to get to seven and two. Uh, I don't know. I mean, thirteen and five might just win it outright this year because there's so much parity in this conference. If you're thirteen and five, you're in good shape. I don't know. I, I'm not sure who wins because K State's actually, you know, they've gone to Tech, they've lost, they went to Iowa State and won, which is huge now. They won at Oklahoma, they won at Oklahoma State. You start looking at where they have to go, and outside of Kansas, I think they're manageable. They always play well at Baylor. They want revenge on Texas. They got to go to TCU. That one kind of jumps out at me. And then Kansas, uh, and so, West Virginia, and West Virginia, which I'm, you, I'm you don't know what they you don't know what you're going to get from the Mountaineers. You just yeah. don't. It's not a great matchup for K State for whatever reason, and uh, but they found a way to win in Manhattan. I still don't know how. It's a it's a much more manageable schedule, I think, for K State. But again, these three games are going to decide. K State runs these three games. But watch out! They they are clearly in the driver's seat. That's it for the first half of the PowerCat Podcast, sponsored by Fred Tulsa Liquor. And this segment was brought to you by Tanner's Bar and Grill down in Aggieville. When you come to town next Saturday for that Iowa State game, hop into Tanner's and watch a little early basketball before you head to the Bram. We're going to take a little break now. We're going to come back in the second half of the podcast this week with some football. Signing day has occurred, and the coaches have met with the media. It's been a fun week if you're covering K-State sports. The Power Cat Podcast continues shortly. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. 
We now return to the Power Camp Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Camp Podcast. That was basketball. Now we're going to turn our attention to football. A lot of stuff going on on the football front. It's kind of fun being us right now. It's fun covering Kansas State sports because you get access to information. We had assistant coaches for the offense on Monday, all five of them. Assistant coaches for the defense on Tuesday, four of them because they're missing a defensive ends coach to this point. And then, of course, the recruiting press conference, signing day press conference on Wednesday with Coach Kleiman. So in the course of three days, we had every coach available to us that's on staff. We talked to assistant coaches more in those two days than we had in the previous, uh, what, 14 years, 15 years since Bill Snyder made him available on a regular basis before he retired. It's 03, incredible. 04, somewhere in there. It's incredible. We have so much information. We got information backlogged. If you're not a subscriber to GoParacad.com, screw the sales. It's worth 10 bucks a month. We have been putting up, now it's slowed down now, but in the first three days of this week, we put up over 60 content items. A lot of them are free. If you're not a subscriber and you really don't want to subscribe or you can't afford it, you're a student or, you know, you're out of work, whatever, there's tons of free content at GoParacat. 24-7 has a much different philosophy than our previous network and we're working it hard. There's a lot of free content and the very best stuff, the analysis, the really insider stuff goes behind the paywall for our subscribers. It's only 10 bucks a month. Get over there and subscribe. You're going to get elite coverage. Nobody does what we do. It's just not possible to do what we do. We've got four full-time guys. We've got three incredible part-time people contributing. And uh, I'm telling you what, our new guy, Ross Uglum, is going to be coming with the heavy wood here in a little bit with analysis of each position, film breakdowns of everything going on with, with K-State as they head into spring football. And, of course, Ryan Wallace is on recruiting, and it's it's fun right now. It's a lot of fun to be part of this at Go Power Cat, whether you're on the staff or a subscriber. You can't keep up. I go to my own site, and I'm like, what happened to the stories we put up this morning? <laughs> I made 40 videos this week. <laughs> Subscribe to our YouTube channel, too. <laughs> that was a mic drop. 40 videos. Yeah, yeah it, we're running stuff through YouTube now if it's free so that everyone has easy access to it. Um, subscribe over there too. Yeah, just go. We need some subs. Go hit everywhere. the subscribe button just over there. But all that stuff shows up on the site. So I'm telling you, folks, uh, we're doing some things differently. We've had 24-7 come in and say, okay, we had a little bit alteration here with how we're going to approach this. And we have taken the ball and run with it. And um, We our, dunked it like Cartier. We dunked it. No, except we actually went between the legs like he wanted to yeah. and dunked it. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, uh, but now we're gonna dive into football. Of course, it's the Power Cap Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get into the fridge, say hi to Kevin, everyone there, wonderful people, and uh, the biggest and best liquor store in Manhattan, in all of Kansas, if you ask me. It's a fabulous place to to get your needs, and um, man, I love the fridge. I I just I just go in there. It's like a giant toy store to me. I stand in front of the vodka and go, ooh, that looks good. Oh, that looks good. Except you can walk out of a toy story, toy store, with as many toys as you want, not get weird looks. Sometimes I can get a little carried away at the fridge. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Might get some weird looks. Yeah, so I'm carrying a giant box of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Don't when they, judge me. If they say, would you like a box for that? Yeah. That's when you man up and you say, no, I don't need a box. Yeah. No, I always go, but, yeah. But you need a box. Yeah. And this segment is sponsored by the High Low. Guess where we ate lunch? Chick-fil-A. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the high-low, and it was so good. It was ah. It was really good. They have <laughs> mac and cheese pizza now. They have mac and cheese pizza now. I it, feel like they've had it, and we just didn't see it. Didn't know it. it. Well, it, it looked... These guys got uh, two slices of pizza. Okay, look. I, I think a slices of pizza is something different than than they do. It's basically you got a quarter of a pizza. It was huge. It was a little too much. Like, I couldn't finish my second slice. These places were huge. It, it sounds like I'm dogging on them, but, like, it's an awkward um, portion amount, you know? One slice isn't quite enough. Two slices is a little too much. Where's that happy medium? In the pepperoni bricks. Yeah. Make a point. Which I had. And I had intended to share them, but I didn't. I, I didn't need any more food. And I had a burger, and their burgers are really good. I kind of regret not getting pizza. Your guys' pizza looked incredible. It they was. serve AJ's Pizza. If you're familiar with Manhattan and AJ's, it's the best pizza in town by far. And that's what's served at the Hilo. Get into Hilo right there in the middle of Aggieville. You'll love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, here we go. Fitz, Riley, and Zach. Your questions from Wabash Station, and we turn our attention to football. From Cato 5 did Chris Kleiman address all of the team needs with this recruiting class? No. No, they wanted another tight end. They couldn't find one. Um, I thought what he said was really interesting, that they're going to look internally. Defensive ends, small, undersized offensive linemen, someone to help supplement that position. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know who you're going to get. I'm looking through the roster, and I'm literally like, I have no idea who you're going to convert. No idea. It's the first time that I've actually believed a coach when they say we're going to do this. We're going to make the you know this player, this position, more integral to our offense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They want they want tight ends to be involved in the offense and catch the ball, but that isn't at the sake of. They're not looking for the two hundred and twenty five pound glorified receiver. They still want someone as Kleiman said that's able to mash the defensive lineman. The only one I came up with was Nick Kaltmeyer. Um, because I, he, he was 6'8". I think they lie on his weight. We saw him in public at a certain place that serves chicken strips. And only chicken strips? And only chicken strips. And he wasn't, guys, he wasn't <laughs> as big as I expected him to be. He was pretty no. lean. Um, so that's the only one that really came to mind. But So they wanted another tight end. They just said he couldn't find one. Couldn't find one they liked. And, of course, they had a a desire at linebacker that went unfulfilled because uh, someone switched to KU in dramatic fashion, which we all saw coming. So, that, yeah, they had some other needs. And I think they, I think if they had found the right, if they could find another running back transfer, they would probably take him if they were the right person. They just didn't. They didn't fill it fully like Fitz said, but I would argue that they that what they did fill, positions like running back, positions like defensive back, what they filled them with was very substantial to the point where you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, they filled them all. Like, they didn't just quietly fill running back. They didn't just quietly fill defensive back. They got some guys late, you know. I really like Thomas Grayson. 
I think he has the potential to, to become something pretty good here. We all know that the top players are gone uh, in the early signing period, but we also know this. K-State wasn't getting the top players. So there were like players or even better players than what K-State typically has gotten under Bill Snyder available in the late period. We looked at that class, the seven guys that they signed on Wednesday, and we saw one, the Price kid from Kansas City, that maybe the old staff would have gotten. And the other six were guys that they unearthed, the new staff unearthed and got. But the point here was, you know, it wasn't the fact that, well, the old staff wouldn't have gotten those guys. No, they wouldn't have gotten those guys. They didn't have the same connections. But they wouldn't have gotten equivalent players. I mean, we're talking about a corner that turned down UCLA, a defensive tackle that had offers all over Power Five conferences, Arizona State, Nebraska, you name it, they got him. They just got some dudes that, honestly, the old staff wouldn't have gotten at the, at the level of play that they are. And then I think that was a better glimpse of what's coming for this recruiting class, excuse me, for this recruiting trend for this staff than the early period where they were kind of holding together the old recruits. I'm excited. But, yeah, they didn't get everything they wanted, but they did a darn good job getting pretty close. From I like pickles cat, what are your uh, what are your updated thoughts on running back? Well, I just kind of mentioned Thomas Grayson there. I really like that addition, right? I mean, yeah. I think he he's a, a guy that I don't want to get too excited on. I mean, he's definitely not going to play next year. I I still think James Gilbert is the guy that they're going to have in the backfield next year. Um, but it, it went from it went from me being overly concerned to me saying. Okay, I think they have someone that they can put back there. With the addition of Tyler Burns coming back to the team, you've got Harry Trotter, who's been on the program for a year now. You add in James Gilbert, you add in Thomas Grayson, and if um, if Clyde Price becomes the type of player that some people think he could, you've got some nice depth to get you through a, a bit of a bridge here, allow some of these guys to develop a little bit. And maybe someone emerges as a guy. I would keep an eye on that spot. I think if there was one more transfer who is immediately eligible, they might take him. I mean, I, I don't think Gilbert – he was good at Ball State. I don't see him being a superstar at this level. I think he's going to be an adequate back. But if there was a stud that popped up that, you know, was supposed to go to a, I don't know, SEC school and then wasn't eligible – I think they would grab him. They they had zero returning scholarship players at the position. A gross mismanagement of depth by the previous staff, something I've never seen Bill Snyder do. And granted, they had some circumstances in there. I forgot to mention Tyler Burns rejoining the, the team. Tyler was a legitimate running back. He just got buried behind some really good running backs. Um, you know, you had the McCoy injury, which still sticks out. If there's a shot in the dark, he comes back. That changes everything. So there, there is some help here, but I, I still think they would hop up and take another guy if they could. And, and they want a linebacker, and, man, if there's a tight end transfer, they will grab him. From Meow Power, it's so hard to tell, but if you had to take a guess, who do you think will have the best K-State career of the 2019 class? Hey, you do, you know, thank you for prefacing that. It is very hard to tell, um, and I would like to – Full disclosure: Say that we are not bound to these these predictions, oh, right? We are. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna say Matthew. Pa- I'm gonna try this. Matthew Palamoa. Is that it? good enough? Ma- Mayo. Good enough. There's probably a pronunciation guide in here. Yeah, there probably is. Uh, but why use it? 
Yeah. What, what's Plus the fun I gotta, of that? I got to turn the page, and I can't do it with one hand. I really think that that's. I know it's not all about what you weigh, how tall you are, what your rating is, but he, he's a big kid, you know. And and I think if he gets in here, and he you know continues to to get a little bit bigger, continues to figure out. The next level of football, I, I feel like he's a guy that could really definitely emerge as, as something that could um, – a player that could make an impact. And I'm really excited – not to go off on a side tangent, but I'm really excited to see what – by the way, we're going to call him Coach Tui now because that's what Kleiman called him, So, and Tui is, is shorter. Coach Tui, I, I'm excited to see what he does on the recruiting trail because that was a heck of a get. The short names doesn't work in all cases, though. Right, but this one it does. There's someone else that it doesn't work on. On the staff? Yeah, you talked about it after the press conference. Oh, yeah. Coach Hayes? <laughs> coach Hayes will tell you. You can't call him Coach Hayes. We just had a Coach Hayes. And Defensive coordinator, Coach Hayes. <laughs> no, there is no pronunciation guide, but I do find it interesting that his name is Paulo Mao with a hyphen in it. Paulo Mao. And yeah. he is the nephew of Troy Palomolo. Mo- Troy Palomalu? Palomalu. Palomalu? Palomalu. Palomalu. And his cousin is Noah Pola Gates. So you might be related to him. (laughs) I'm going to ask him that. He signed with Nebraska. Um, Yeah. If I had to pick someone. Yeah, you have to pick. uh, I don't technically have to. I I guess the easy answer for me would be Kenyon Reed because I think the dude's a good corner. That stands out. Is it because his last name's Reed? <laughs> From no. California? No. No? No. Yeah, but I'm going to go out on a limb here, guys. What was the question? What was the exact wording of the question again? If you had to take a guess, who do you think will have the best K-State career of the class? Okay. So for me, that doesn't mean NFL guy, like high profile. It just means K-State career. Yeah. You're going to be. It's like a Colin Klein. Yeah. You, well, not even that. You're like going to be. Marcus Watts. That's a pretty good, you know, he wasn't all anything, or maybe he was, I don't know. Who cares? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go with Jax Deneen. I think Jax Deneen might start at fullback next season. I think Jax Deneen might be a centerpiece of this offense for all four years uh, in a a traditional fullback way. He's going to block. He's going to catch the ball, he's going to run the ball a little bit, he's going to be on the field a lot and he, his presence will be felt by the defense on the other side of the ball and of course K-State fans will notice him beating people. He he fits exactly what North Dakota State wanted to do with fullback, they wanted him and then when they came to K-State he was a perfect addition sorry KU, we'll take that victory over. I'm not sorry. You want to claim from Atacoon, I think. That's a new That's one. That's a new one. Welcome. Spell that for me. A-T-I-K-O-O-N. Atacoon. Hmm. I cannot use it in a sentence. I do not know the country of origin. I can use it in a sentence. I do not know the etymology. This poster's name is Atacoon. That's good. That's <laughs> Done. The word I asked you is Atacoon. <laughs> no context there. Uh, which new football recruit has... Uh, you most excited? I feel like that's kind of fell in the same nah, category. Not really? Okay, most excited. I, am I excited about Jack Stanine, a fullback? No, but I think he's going to have a meaningful career. Who am I most excited about? Well, he got the for my guys got the strongest sales pitch from the head coach, Josh Youngblood. <laughs> I mean, he got up on the table and said, "This kid's going to 
be a nightmare for other teams. How long has it been since a K-State football head coach sat in front of the media and said, this player, we ex- anticipate him running this. We expect him to do this, you know, like numbers-wise. Like We're just going to have to wait and see, you know. Even Ron Prince didn't do that. That was ridiculous. I'm not. I mean that in a good way. It, it, Ron Prince didn't do that. So never, because I don't ever remember having a signing day press conference before Bill Snyder. It wasn't a thing back then. That was so. Like you're just sitting there. And he's like, we anticipate him running a ten point whatever hundred, and you're like, whoa, hello. Yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna what position is he gonna play? Well, he's gonna touch the ball. He's a receiver, running back, whatever. He's gonna touch the ball. Yeah, there's no generic response. Recruit that has me the most excited. <sighs> Tyrone Lewis. Okay. I like it. I, it's a. It's not anything I can point to. It's a gut thing. I just looked at the at the signing list and just picked one. <laughs> it's just it, when I when I think about Tyrone Lewis, I just get that that dog feeling. You know, I think he's gonna be a dog here. You want to cuddle him? Well, I mean... That's what my dog feeling is. I want to go. I mean, I'm not saying that I do or don't. I'm just saying. Uh, if I had to throw someone else in, let's, we should probably mention Chris Heron. Yeah. There's something about that kid. I just The way they talk about him, I think they feel really good about him. Next Michael Bishop? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't say it. Not a trade, sir. From Garcat12761, how did Bill Snyder win so much with so little effort recruiting? He's a hell of a coach and I mean a teacher you know I I put up uh, if you're a VIP reader you can go read Connor Riley's profile story that we put up and I had a really long talk with Connor Riley and boy I'm, I tell you what I like that dude I mean he just maybe it's because he, you know it's almost like politics you really like the people that say everything you agree with he said everything I agree with you know and, and there were so many Snyder like philosophies in there about developing players, what they did at North Dakota State. didn't matter how many stars they had. They saw something in them. Maybe it was that the fact they played basketball and had great feet. Or they threw, um, you know, they threw the weights in track and they could tell that they knew how to shift weight. They're going to develop players. And that's what Bill Snyder did. And you go through those uh, 10 and 10 lists that, D. Scott Fritchin just did it, all the position groups, and look at how many failures. There were more guys that in, in those lists. We should do this. Go add up the ones that actually played a full career at Kansas State compared to the ones, the top 10 rated recruits at each position group over the last 10 years. The defensive tackles were almost a complete washout. Over and over. So that means they had it. And while winning, so they had to go develop guys like Will Geary, you know. So Trey Deshaun's kind of the only guy that survived that list, basically. It's it's amazing what they did. And, I, and that's kind of what encouraged me about this staff. I think some of those traits that Bill Snyder did and what made him successful at Kansas State, they carry a desire and appreciation to do the same things, to, to go find the B.J. Finney. Uh, and you know, recognize not what he is right now in the moment—an undersized kid out of you know a Kansas high school who hasn't had enough exposure to football—and recognize that what he can be with further coaching, teaching, and a true weight program. And now he's an NFL guy. From KM Wildcat, I think that's another new one. Welcome. 
Have any of the coaches mentioned the fit or potential use of any of our returning quarterbacks besides Skyler? Is there any other quarterback returning who has a chance to push Skyler? I did find that. I don't want to say disturbing because I'm. I don't think that they should look elsewhere. Bill Snyder had it right. He always tried to orchestrate the horse race. Sometimes he went too far with it. Yeah. But there's no horse sense of a horse race here. This is their guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, it's, just, it's just really weird. I, but it's not weird at the same time because we all know it. It's weird to hear. I mean, maybe it's just us as K-State people adjusting to that, you know? Like you mentioned, for years we've always heard Bill Snyder, whether it's accurate or not, say, you know, that everybody's in the race. Everybody had a chance, and we knew it wasn't true. Um, but also, this, also at the same time, maybe I kind of respect that because they know what they want to do, and maybe they see something in Skyler right away. They don't have to see him in person. All they got to do is watch his film and say, you know, we see uh, this trait that we think could translate really well to our offense. So maybe it's it's weird on the surface because K-State's just not used to that. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think that's what fans want to see. You know, John Holcomb's probably an exciting athlete, but I don't think you want him under center because he never played. Same thing with Chris Heron coming in. Yeah, he, he has the potential, but he's a true freshman. Meanwhile, you have a junior in Skylar Thompson who's been through it. Well, I talked to Colin Klein briefly, and I, it wasn't my question. Um, you know, another one of the media members asked it, and, you know, he brought up Nick Ost as someone who's taken a lot of snaps. And it might actually fit the system pretty well. Um, and Ryan Harrington, just because I think the kid's a gamer, I don't think he's really a quarterback. I think he'll be a guy that relocates. Uh, but then you got him, and he mentioned John Holcomb. I mean, he's just a freak athlete, but I think he's got a lot to learn. And the thing is, they, they, the knock on him was he apparently was struggling with learning the old offense, and now he's got to start over with a new offense. So uh, that could set him back even farther. I still regret the fact that they didn't find a, a way to get him in at all and make use of any of his four games of uh, eligibility as a true freshman that you get now. And Chris Kleiman made it very clear everyone will do that for him. That's incredible. Very clear. That will be an advantage they take advantage of. And this is one of the things that bothered me about Coach Snyder down there. He just didn't want to change. It just, it, it just didn't want, even if it was a benefit, he didn't want to change. And and he did end up playing some guys four games, but I don't know. It just more hips should have played. Kind of going back a little bit, um, it was Jake Waters his senior year, probably the last year that there really wasn't a quarterback race. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he manufactured one with Jesse Ertz. Ertz was going to be the starter. You know, remember it was Hubner and Ertz, and it was always going to be Ertz. It really was. It was manufactured just to try to keep them focused, them locked in. But, I see, I don't think they feel like that's going to be a problem with Skyler. Skyler's so engaged right now. Skyler's fired up. I feel like Skyler got a new jolt of life in him. I mean, Skyler was really looking at leaving. He didn't feel like the offense fit him very well. He didn't. The program just wasn't. The energy was so, ugh, in the program. It wasn't really negative. It just. It wasn't uplifting. It wasn't exciting. And a lot of people have said, a lot of guys have said it. It became tedious to be a Kansas State football player. There was no joy in it. And it just breaks your heart to hear that 
football became that under Bill Snyder because he he knew it as hard work, but he always kind of made it fun in the past, and slowly that went away. It's fun all of a sudden for these guys, including Skyler, although I hear they are working them into the dirt in this offseason program. But the coaches are very engaged in that. They're down there in the locker room or in the weight room watching this take place. Very interesting. From Cheeseburger Satan. I love it. Where does K-State football finish in the Big 12 standings this year? Top half or bottom half, and do they make a bowl game? The answer is what, a burger? <laughs> yeah, take that. Um, <laughs> they will make a bowl game, I will say that. I don't know if that means six wins or if that means ten wins. Well, I haven't looked at the other teams going through them. I, think I don't have to look at the other teams. Yeah, I, I mean, I... Well, but the top half bottom, I don't know. Right. I mean, they could still go to bowl and be sixth or seventh in the conference. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be okay. I, again, it's it was asked a lot, but this program is not in shambles. They had a rough year. There was a lot of other things going on behind the scenes. That's now all taken care of for the most part. I just, I just think that. I, I think all you needed is is kind of a new sense of energy that that jolt, and and we'll see. Maybe a little bit of improvement moving forward. But I, I do anticipate covering a bowl game next year. What I love about this is Nickel State has been the FCS giant slayer of late. Right? They go into the, the FBS programs and win. And this year, Chris Kleiman, how's it feel to be on the other side of that equation? <laughs> you, you can't lose this, coach. You should know what that's about because you've gone into other places at, at North Dakota imagine? State and handed the loss. Oh, could you imagine? It'd be ironic, but I, I think they'll be fine. I think you will have them plenty prepared. From Adam K sixty three, where uh, excuse me, were you surprised in the decision of Blake Siler to leave a week before signing day instead of waiting until after signing day? And with what Gavin Potter did at his signing ceremony, does that add a little fuel to the fire for the rivalry? Those are two completely off-topic questions, but they're combined. I guess I look. I probably didn't do a very good job editing that one. Yeah. I let's talk about Blake first. Yeah, I'm not sure the intention was for that to get out when it did. I mean, it wasn't like it. It was just reported by someone, and then we were able to confirm it. I don't. Maybe it was. I know he was still actively recruiting, and in fact, he went down to talk to the Potter family about it. And why he should still go to K-State. So, I'm not sure. I don't really think it played a role. I think the kid was going to KU all along. I Once Les Miles was hired, Daddy decided he was going to KU. I, I mean, I've been told that Daddy was infatuated with that championship ring and thinks the facilities at KU are top-notch. Got, wrap your mind around that one. It's just so ignorant. So, you know, I, I, I thought maybe I didn't realize at the time Oklahoma State's offer was a blue shirt, and that's not really an offer. That's not even a gray shirt offer. That's a joke. That's, that's something KU created. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised he picked KU. I'm just surprised at how he did it. I'll put it this way. I think. I think you're pretty happy that he's not coming to K-State. Yeah, and that sounds like sour grapes. But, you know, my problem with this is, look, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State didn't recruit him, and he's an Oklahoma kid. I see popping off. I get it. 
you know, I'm going to show you. But K-State and Texas Tech offered you, respected you, treated you well, and then you crap on them. Not just by picking another school, but how you did it on signing day. You show them up. Man, that says a lot about you. That's just, that's not cool. I wouldn't have felt good about that if you did it the opposite way. This is not cool, man. But even the Oklahoma and the Oklahoma State thing, even that seemed over the top to me. I, well, I you think you take it too far. I think that there's a thing you can say where you could say, "Yeah, I I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State should have recruited me. I, I wanted to go there. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm gonna work really hard and prove them wrong." You don't have to go. You made the biggest mistake of your life by letting me get out of Oklahoma. Yeah, I think, dude, probably- you're a three-star linebacker that only got the offers you got because you committed to K-State early. Right. Well, let's put it that way. He he doesn't get courted like that if he's not a K-State commit, probably. I, I will say something with great confidence. I think Jack Steneen will have a much bigger impact on Kansas State football than Gavin Potter will ever have at KU, if he has any impact at all. It seems like things need to be easy for him. Yeah. From I Like Pickles Cat, how much are you buying the Be Closer to Family thing from Siler? 100%. I think that I think it's who was that from? Pickles. Pickles. I think that's the whole thing. We were just talking about this before we went on. Uh, you know, I I was told um, after he decided that Skyzy Hazelton said, "Hey, take the linebackers. I'll I'll do DNs." So it it tells me that uh, if you're a if you're a there's a number of things here that at work, but if you're a dude, you know, well, my wife wants to go to. Be close at home, so I'm going to change jobs. You don't kind of want to admit that. You want to come up with other reasons. I think there's a thought, too. I think he knows Vic Koning, and he wants to go canning and wants to go work for him. He worked for him for one year at K-State. He's a great dude, and I think he recognizes the energy under Neil Brown. I think he wants to – he's not the D coordinator here now, and I don't think that's why he's leaving. I think now he's like, okay, well, let's not go back to what I was two steps ago in my career, which is DN's coach. You know, he didn't just back up from being coordinator. He moved out of linebackers to DN's. Let me just, let's just go over here. It's conference. I feel comfortable in the conference. We're close to Inga's family, which is good. Parents are retired. Watch the little kids. That's fantastic. I can, I know the coach here, you know, the defensive coordinator. That's awesome. And, you know, maybe this helps better prepare, prepare me for five Ten years down the road, if K-State has a head coaching opportunity at that point, maybe I'll be D coordinator somewhere, and I can come back home. I think there's a lot of things here. How do I put this? I think both Colin and Blake took the job at K-State because it was security. Small kids, young family, get we're K-Staters, get to stay in a comfortable place, not sell our home. Luck, we're taking a pay cut, but boy, we're still getting paid really well. And and they look around. This was just on the board. Andre Coleman, unemployed. Charlie Dickey, unemployed. Some really good coaches that don't have jobs because it was an awkward time because Coach Snyder, him, hawed around and, you know, let these guys dangle for a week. Believe me, there's some bitterness about that. I think they took the job, and then it's something that Blake tickled his fancy, came along. And I bet you the wife's like, man, let's get back closer to my home for a while. She's been here for 12 years. And she's from Pennsylvania, went to school in Virginia, and came here to work for Ron Prince. 
That's why I mentioned this on the radio. Inga, Ricky Ronnie, and that's it. That's all that survived around Prince at Kansas State. Right? Yeah. I I can't think of anyone else. Off the top of my head, no. Inga stayed on, you know, on the staff. And when they got married, she left the staff. Ricky stayed on the staff for one season and then went with James Franklin uh, to be his quarterback coach at Vanderbilt. Now he's the OC in, uh, at Penn State. I mean, that's a pretty good pair. And Inga's an amazing person, you know, so good. This is good for Kansas State. I take a whole different approach to this. Am I disappointed? Yeah, but this is good for Kansas State. What if this doesn't work? What what if four years into this we decide, oh, this didn't work out? I'm not saying it will. I don't I think it will work, but what if? And at that point Blake's been a coordinator somewhere for a couple years, is kicking ass. There you go. So we'll see. The prodigal son returns home. From Watacat. Thoughts what are your thoughts on the Buddy Wyatt hire? First of all, alleged hire. Alleged hire. We still, we haven't independently verified it. So weird. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird that like it got announced by someone, and then everybody was like, "Hey, there's this report out here," <laughs> and that, that's that's yeah, nobody's we've heard. Nobody's been. We haven't been able to verify it. I mean, I trust Pete Thamel. I, he's really, really good. He's gotten a lot. National of, people aren't usually wrong. Yeah, put it that way. He's gotten a lot of other scoop, and plus, when you add up the pieces, the the fact that he's Close with Van Malone. Yeah. He coached at KU for a long time. You know, the point that someone made on the message board that his son went to Free State, <laughs> where all the recruits are. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of pieces here that make a lot of sense. He's got a lot of experience in the Big 12 slash Big 10. You know, another guy that had kind of stepped down in his career because he needed a job and now has a, has a second chance. Um I'll, I'll be honest. I just haven't had tons of time to really. I think it's a good fit. Dive into him. I think it's a good fit. He's going to be a good coach, good recruiter, uh, and I, I, I kind of like it. It tells me that they love Van Malone because he was a kind of a guy that was an outsider to this group. Didn't really have great connections into this group. Some overlaps, but certainly not what we've seen from like Scotty Hazelton or anything else. It tells me that immediately they're like, Vance, our dude, man, Vance. Yeah, Van, you're a defense coordinator. You coached under you at SMU. You want to bring him in? Okay, let's do it. So I'm, I feel good about it if that's who it is. And once again, once we independently verify, we'll put it up. And, and honestly, we've got a lot of the stuff we're doing. It's not like we've been sweating on this one. It's a defensive ends coach for God's sakes. It's the it's the tenth assistant for the third time. My big concern is we need photos of him and uh, Tui and Tui. Yeah, we, we don't have the, the, the beautiful white, white backdrop photos of those guys that we're using on our stories from Sports Information, which are awesome. Last question of the second half from Exhausted Nihilist. With Siler gone, who who remains with Bill Snyder connections besides Colin Klein, Taylor Bratt, and the other guy whose initials are <laughs> SS? The other guy. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, a lot of the younger coaches. I know Drew Little's still on the staff. I think Taylor Godinay's still on the staff. Dawson. Travis Britz. Dawson. Travis Britz is still around. I'm I not think. sure. I mean, I I mean, a, he was in a picture, I think. I imagine a lot of those GAs are still kind yeah. of dangling around. I mean, around. a lot of the support staff, I think, are still the same. But, I mean, you're going to do – I mean, you're not just going to – 
up and bring nine North Dakota State grad assistants in, you know? Oh. You're not going to totally axe everything off, and then nor do I think you should totally. Um, but there's not that many guys that are going to make, you know, direct impacts um, in terms of their approach and their mindset because, A, those guys aren't just as powerful and B, I don't think that so many people are tied into the Snyder way of thinking that they have been for the last 10 years, you know, just kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah. I'm, you know, that's fine. I, it's a new time, new era. Don't want to change everything. I don't want a coach that forgets where the program came from and these guys haven't. And I'll have a story about that in the future. It's, it's time to kind of move on in some ways and, you know, it's funny how you evolve. I think three weeks ago, Blake Seiler, or a month ago, Blake Seiler leaving was a, would have been a disaster. And then you get down the road and it's like, okay, good for Blake. So, so be it. That's it for the second half of the PowerCat podcast. We did basketball, we did football, and the overtime is, is on board next. If you haven't ever listened to us, which, what an empty, horrible life. The overtime is just fun stuff. How fun is it this week, right? I think it's pretty good. I'm okay. excited about this overtime. Okay, so we kind of throw in the extra questions in there and some nonsense and have a little fun with it after talking sports for an hour. That's what we do here. We talk sports. We cover sports. We cover Kansas State sports. So get a subscription to Go Paracat. Make your life full and rich and beautiful. And, of course, we're sponsored by The Fridge. That segment was sponsored by The High Low. Stop in those places when you were in Manhattan and stop back with us after this break. The gang will return with more of the Power Camp Podcast. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Auto-correct your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. Back to Fitz on the Power Camp Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Wow. Welcome back to the Power Camp Podcast. Took a little break there, and boom. K-State hires a defensive ends coach. <laughs> After we literally said in the last segment that he wasn't hired. Yeah. Someone <laughs> that listens to the podcast, but only like the good parts, which is not overtime. <laughs> They're like, well, it's over. Wow, Buddy Wyatt's not the... <laughs> Not not hired. Just minding their own business and boom. I told you they'd hire Wyatt on the staff. <laughs> I was predicting Daryl Wyatt, but they, they got a Wyatt. It's close enough. It's close. Fair. Buddy Wyatt. 
Which, by the way, is a great blues name. I, I agree with like, that. I feel like he should like uh, when he when we finally get to meet with him, he should like talk in the blues. Bring a saxophone with him. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Buddy Wyatt, a veteran coach, friends with Van Malone for a very long time, has indeed been hired as Kansas State's defensive ends coach. He uh, had a cup of coffee, a little bit longer coffee than uh, Kansas State's Ted Monachino had in Manhattan. But he had a cup of coffee for three weeks at Appalachian State. So let's follow the history of him here. Uh, he's bounced around quite a bit. He's got a lot of Big 12, Big 10 experience. But he really he spent a cornerstone there of his career in, at Kansas um, with both um, with a pair of coaches there in, in KU before David Beatty arrived. I don't right. want to mention their names because then it, it kind of taints our podcast. With bad, yeah, bad mojo. Yeah, uh, and then he was back. We did, I did not know this. He was back there as a senior analyst on the staff, according to his bio. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. He went to SMU, and he was out the same time Van Malone was out on the defensive side with the change of staff, and then, then uh, they were both analysts for a season. So, like we kind of hinted at, I guess in the last segment, it, it definitely seems like it's a Van put in a good word for him. Which, hey, hmm. good for Van. So there we go. Kansas State's coaching staff is complete. Until next week when uh, they lose another one. <laughs> they will not. Sports information, if you could get those photos shot of uh, Coach Tuiasopo and Coach Wyatt, that'd be very much appreciated, and we can write features on them. All we need is an interview, too. I'm just booking things here through the podcast. Well, we know Ryan Lackey's listening. Yeah, he always listens. Why weren't we in the veneer parking lot today? Oh. <laughs> Stalking. Stalking TMZing the crap out of coverage. He's probably he's probably taking his picture right now. So there we go. Kansas State's coaching staff is full once again, and the story is up at GoPowerCat.com newsletter sent. If you're not a member of GoPowerCat, you like the news, make sure you sign up for the newsletter, you fools. It's free. It's free. It's cool. When stuff happens, I send it right to your inbox, or that guy over there does. Riley. I do it sometimes. Once in a while. It's usually me. But, yeah, we send them out at least once a day, typically. But when things are happening, three, four times a day. And, and once in a while, we'll, we'll compile all of our coverage on a topic and uh, send it out that way. So you have all of our stuff on, on, like, signing day or, like, the win over Kansas. We sent that out, our coverage from that. Uh, so all the free content's in there, you know, and along with VIP so you can see what you're missing out on, and then you want to subscribe. That's how that works. That's what's in it for us. You'll get these things to your inbox say, oh, this is a good story, that's a good story, and click that one. Oh, I can't read that story. I'm not in the club. I want to join the club. There we go. That's how it works. Here we go. Segment three, sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the overtime. And when you've got extra time and you want to have a good time, go to the fridge. Take it away, Zach. From Watacat, did anyone have any fun interactions with KU fans that you would like to share? Yes, I did. Um, As I was making my way through the mosh pit on the floor trying to get to the press conference, I took a Snapchat and put it on my story. And I said, holy shoot, they stormed the floor. I couldn't believe it. I can't believe they stormed the floor. Had a KU fan um, slide up on my Snapchat. In case you're unaware what slide up on Snapchat means, it means you can basically send the snap back to that person and like make your own little comment on it. That's a 
quick way of explaining it. KU fan said, yes, because K-State fans are the least classiest fans in the Big 12. <laughs> so I texted back and I said, all these flavors and you just choose to be salty. I like and it. She said, I'm not salty. I don't even want to win the Big 12 this year. That's salty. <laughs> I'd rather the streak in. We can start a new streak. Yeah, no, actually I didn't. I just ignore him. But, I, you know, Riley Gates made a keen observation after the game. We're in the press conference, post-game press conference, or between segments of the press conference. I think it was between Bill Self and K-State players. And he leans over and he goes, K-State storming the floor really triggers Kansas fans, which I think should encourage K-State fans to do it every time. I don't care. K-State wins 10 years in a row. Storm the floor every year. Just just rub it into them. It drives them insane. We're so above that, except when we do it in football. Well, uh, yeah, about Thanks, time Mo. you beat us. Uh, they, they get so mad. They don't have a response except for, uh, we lost. Uh, I love it. It's, it's a compliment. It me, beating KU means something. Yep. Or KU, you should celebrate our greatness when you beat us. I think it's funny because they think that they're insulting K-State fans by making fun of them. And then you say, well, you storm the field. And they said, well, have you seen our basketball or our football program? Of course we're going to storm the field. We don't, we don't ever win. By that logic, you're complimenting K-State's basketball team for being good. Right. That's... I, I can't make fans I, aren't there, smart enough to know. There are no, there's no logic to key fans. They just, I just storm the floor every year, kids. It triggers them. It's fun, and I love it. Just don't step on my computer. Yeah, yeah. Stay, stay, stay off, off my lawn. Stay off my lawn, which is my work area. <laughs> From Yao Power, please give your thoughts on the Barry Brown late game dunk and the shout out to Brandon Green afterwards. <sighs> Hilarious, <laughs> fantastic. Barry Brown, tip of the cap, probably my favorite moment of your career. Look, it, they're different. They were totally different things. Barry Brown stole a pass, went into dunk at games, and I didn't even realize the clock was about out. I, I, I it's it shocked me. I thought he was dunking with a couple seconds left when the buzzer went off. Um, it kind of happened in the flow of the Grant game. Brandon Green, everyone was walking off the court. People had stopped playing basketball. And he decided, oh, I'm going to dribble in a dunk. You know, that was that was punk behavior. Uh, Barry's just kind of happened in the course of the game, but still love it. So so be it. So you know, it that's that's how K State won the game by playing literally through the final buzzer, and they got it done. I'm sorry your feelings got hurt. It wasn't intended, really. I I I don't think Barry was thinking about anything other than. I stole the ball. Let's go dunk. I think after the game, he put that together. But I will say, hold on. I will say that they thought about it before they got to the press conference. Oh, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yep. (coughs) From AZCAT05, what are your thoughts on the ref's performance in the game? I got into that a little bit in in the first half. I've never seen so many charges called. A lot of charges. Jerry Pollard has gotten caught up into the show. He used to be a really, really good official. I'm surprised he never handed out a technical because he does that in almost every game now. He loves to make the dramatic call, and he overcompensates when he thinks he's made a bad call. But he likes to make the dramatic call. He's now He'll make calls out of position. 
He's just kind of now fallen into the Doug Sermons, Paul Jansen, you know, where they think they're the show. And that's unfortunate because he was a really good official. I thought he was lousy. Um, if anything, coming down the stretch, the calls went in K-State's favor. I mean, hell, it was 10-3 to 3 fouls in the second half, late in the second half. There was a play where um, I think Lawson turned the corner on Dean Wade, so he just fouled him, shoved him out of bounds, and and people were like, well, that was a horrible foul. And I go, no, it was. It's the fifth foul of the half. He's not shooting free throws. He got beat. He was going to probably get dunked on. Now, now they're taking the ball out. So I thought, yeah, officiating at the end of the day kind of worked to K-State's advantage. But early on, man, there was there were some calls that you're like, what? Yeah. For my like pickles, cat. What was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? Easy, easy for me. The Pepsi one. Is Pepsi okay? That was so good. Oh, I, yeah. maybe it's just because I'm a big Steve Carell guy, and I think he was acting as Michael Scott in that commercial. I don't think I paid attention. I don't. I can't recall one that really jumped out at me. The only one I remember watching was afterwards, and it was the Home Alone one with uh, Joe Pesci. That was funny, too. <laughs> that was good. My part's coming up. <laughs> the, the One of the problems, one of the best commercials, I think it was Hyundai, maybe, or I forget what it was. That's my point. What I'm getting at is it was the one where they're in the elevator and like, oh, we're car shopping. And he's like, okay, hold on. That was a good commercial. It was a hilarious commercial, but they didn't do a good enough job of explaining what it was all about, right? So you know what the commercial is, but you can't talk about it. Um, but, like, that's kind of the thing I appreciate about the Pepsi commercial. Obviously, yeah, I like Steve Carell. That's what made it for me, and he was hilarious. But it's so funny because it's been playing on the joke that – or not the joke, but just kind of the the thing that's, you know, how, how long have you been going to restaurants and ordering a Coke, and they say, is Pepsi okay? Or, you know, vice versa. Is Coke okay? So that that's why I love that one because – it's something that happens, and they made a, a point of it. $5 million per 30 seconds. And make fun of Bud Light all you want. That was a stupid commercial. What, Bud Light? The one where they brought up... Corn syrup? Corn syrup. You're talking about it, aren't you? You remember it, don't you? Uh, well, that's not... You don't not, like Bud Light, though. No, you don't talk about your competition. You don't pay $10 million in a commercial to mention your competition by name. That was... That violated... Yeah. Because now Miller Lite and Coors Light are getting a lot of mileage out of building off of Bud Light's campaign. You're right. Fair. Now, I'll say the Game of Thrones commercial was pretty freaking funny because I'm like, why did the Bud Knight? I can't believe they killed the Bud Knight. The Bud Knight just died, and it was actually a game. That was pretty brilliant cross-brand promoting. Apparently, so I was reading, someone had an article, like they got an exclusive interview before that aired, and basically they had a story ready to go the second that commercial aired. This person dove into it, and basically, like Bud Light, they went to the guys at, at Game of Thrones or what? I don't know. I don't know who was in charge of that. Um, and they were like, "Well, what if you know, like, he knocked out the Bud Knight, and he was like in the hospital for a while, or like he just was unconscious for a bit?" And apparently, the guy goes, "The Bud Knight has to die." Like he he was adamant that the Bud Knight had to die. And they're like, "Okay, like, what if we didn't make a big deal about?" It? And they're like, "No, we're gonna make it very apparent how he died." It was pretty brutal. I'm not gonna lie. So Bud Light wanted him dead. No, Bud Light was like, "What if we just injure him?" And they're like, "No, we gotta kill him." And they're like, what if we don't snap his neck and make it very audible? No, we have to let everybody know what happened. <laughs> it's, an, it's an very intriguing article. That's funny. Like, I was my, like, where is this going? And the dragon's torching. I couldn't believe that. Um, from I Like Pickles Cat, 
No, uh, no, it is him again. Uh, which was worse? Off your game, man. You're I'm off. Sorry, your game. I'm off it. Uh, the Denver-Seattle blowout uh, Super Bowl or the Rams-Pats game? I didn't mind the blowout. This, game. this was a great game. I didn't mind this game. I like defense. I thought, I thought New England's defense was brilliant. The Rams played well enough for their offense to win the game. I don't think Jared Goff's a great quarterback. I think he has his moments. He's good in system, but they knocked him out of system. I just I thought at the end of the day, the Patriots were the better coached, better prepared team. But I enjoyed defensive football. I enjoyed the game when it was 3-3. Three to three. I was not bored by the game. But, of course, I wasn't at a party where some person who never watches football goes, this game's boring. You know, where's the depth? I'm, I'm so I'm never doing parties again. You can't watch the game. It's just annoying. I thought it was a great game. I thought it was a beautifully played defensive game. And then, even when the Patriots finally scored, it took a great play to do it. A great pass and a great catch. It's a great game. Great game. From Meow Power, what is your take on court storming, and in particular ours on Tuesday night? I'm not a big fan, but. Like I said, it, it makes KU mad. You know, I think there's a time and place for it. I do, I truly believe that this one was warranted because you hadn't, this group hadn't beaten KU. KU had won eight straight. This group of students, for the most part, hadn't been in attendance as a student for a KU victory. Fine, good. But they do it next year. You know, if everything else is the same next year, except the fact you won the previous year, don't stone their court. That's kind of the way I feel. It's not worth it at that point. But I get back to what I said earlier. Man, it triggers KU fans. Go for it. Yeah. I, look, court storming, it, it's, I like it because, yeah, you can talk about how great it was that year that K-State beat Oklahoma and the players went into the stands. But it's not as fun. Okay, I think a good court storm is is fun. You you celebrate with your team. I get it. There's a few safety concerns every now and then. I understand. I, I, look, K State fans downplay it, but when the fans got into the handshake line and were making contact with coaches, you make fun of that all you want. That got that could have gotten really dangerous. That's a mob at that point, and that's now that's their emphasis. Heck, we're trying to keep the fans in. Let's keep them away from, you know, the players and stuff so it's fine it's it's fine just be smart about it don't step on my computer you jackass from cheeseburger satan who do you take to win the big 12 at this point k-state ku or the field i have a rule that i don't pick against ku until they're mathematically eliminated that's not a bad rule however with the legerald vic news last night i'm considering breaking that rule i don't want to pick k-state i don't i'll do it i think k-state is very capable of winning and i think they can win it but i'm not ready to say they will win it get back with me after next week when these guys get back from their texas date are you talking about us or the team no you two these two are flying to texas Tomorrow morning to cover the Baylor game tomorrow evening in Waco, then staying in Austin for three nights. Right? Can we go back to Waco and go to Dr. Pepper? Four nights in Austin. You got plenty of time on your hands, and then they'll cover the game Tuesday because it's just a lot cheaper to stay down than come back and And a lot less stressful. (laughs) A lot less stressful. It'll be in a lovely double tree close to Sixth Street. 
Do we get cookies every day, or is it just when you check in? I think it's just when you it's check, when you in, check man. in, But I think you can go down and ask for them. Yeah, you can't tell me they don't have just When we check cookies. in, I'll, I'll ask. Ask about the cookie rules? Yeah, that's what, good. The, what the rule is. I want some clarification on the cookie rules, the allocation. That's good. So, anyhow, uh, if they come back, if these two monkeys I'm talking to come back with a couple K-State wins... Then I'm going to be more willing to go there. But, boy, does Saturday, the next Saturday against Iowa State become huge. If I had to make a prediction today, I think I'd say a two-way tie between Iowa State and Kansas. No K-State. Very interesting. That's if I had to say today. Just they, saying. They just got to keep it going. They're, K-State's only halfway into the schedule. Uh, if they can perpetuate the way they're playing, they're going to win. But they're playing at a really high rate. From ContraCat KS96, rank the Big 12 basketball venues. What influences your ranking the most beyond press seating and media food? Okay. In fairness. Hold on. Hold on. What are we ranking from our standpoint or from? Well, he did say we can't just say based on media food and seating. Okay. Well, let's, let's go. Let's take, try to think of it as a fan. Right. Try to think of your K-State fan going to games. In fairness, I have not been to WVU Coliseum. I have not been to the drum. I will go to the drum on Tuesday. And I have not been to TCU. Oh, but I don't understand what we're ranking or on Texas here. Tech. I don't uh, Yeah, I've never I been to Texas, I Texas Tech. Yeah. Arena we like working in is probably what I'd say. No, yeah. very much Coliseum. I mean, I'm at home. I See, look, Allen Fieldhouse is cool because it reminds me of what K-State gave up. But it's not as good as a Hearn was. It's a crappy place to watch a game. The media seating is crap. The, the noise is all through a speaker system. But it's still Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, you know, it really is kind of a cool old building. you got to admit that. Um, Texas is the drum at, at Texas is a piece of crap. Um, TCU's venue is really nice now. It's just small. It's exactly what TC should have done. I mean, it's about 8,000 seats, but it's really nice. Media seating there is pretty miserable. It's kind of hard to get to. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, I like Gallagher-Iba. That's my top. Media seating sucks there. It doesn't suck if you're a newspaper, though. It sucks for us. Well, but the problem is, is yeah, it sucks for us, but it there's too many venues now are are – not leaving adequate seating for the media, so they have to put them up in a weird spot. I agree. And I'm not saying media should be half-court seating like it used to be. That was cool. I get why they want to sell that. Honestly, everyone thinks we got great seat in, seats in Bramlage, and there are some benefits where we're at, but they are not great seats. You are, you're down on the floor. You don't have a good angle on things. You have a lot of obstructed views. The damn classy cats do their job by standing up and I, I still disagree with you on the classic cat thing. You're one seat over, bud. I still have them in my way a lot. It's way better than dealing with those I managers. literally have one right in front of me. It's way better than dealing with the managers who sit there and stand up, and even when they're sitting, they're still in your way because yeah. they're sitting in chairs. But that's what I'm saying. Either, either side of there is obstructed view. So, I don't know. Now but, it's even worse on the other end where they have so many cameras down there that you have to be in the second row. It, look, if they had, like what West Virginia has, um, their seating for their media is up high. Um, but you step out the door behind you and cross the concourse and you're in the media workroom. 
And then the media interview room is down the hall a little bit, but the coaches and players are brought up via elevator to that. If they had that set up at K-State, like they took, let's just say they took the old offices at K-State and turned them into a media work area and put our seats at the top of the arena, that would be doable. I mean, it would, you would have to go up and down via elevator to get to stuff, but that little room would probably stay a video yeah. work room. That would be doable if they brought everyone up through the elevator, around the corner, into the interview rooms. But anyhow, I don't know where we're going with that. I don't understand. This question's I, weird. Overall, just everything that I've observed from the places I've been, I like Gallagher Abba Arena the best. The seating at uh, Norman's okay. It's it. I hate Norman. Norman's arena sucks. It's similar to Bramlage. The arena sucks. The it's, media seating is literally the same as Bramlage, except further back and on less comfortable chairs. But you're elevated a little bit. It's not enough for me. But not enough to get over Toby Keith's hat. <laughs> that hard at hard metal chair. You say hard ass? No, I said hard at. Uh, hard at. That's the I said it. Yeah. My favorite are the ones where the press conference is in. The workroom, so At, Baylor, Iowa State, so TCU. No, there's, there's that's it's perfect. From our standpoint, that's the way it should be. You should have, you should be able to work until the coach walks in. You walk over, do your interview, and and it, it's just kind of best for everyone. Yeah, I agree. From Adam K sixty three, should the Comic Sans font be banned? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I couldn't care less. Yeah, old Comic Sans. Yeah. We, Papyrus, Comic Sans. I think Comic Sans should only be used to spell the words Riley Gates. You know, that's fine. That would, Guess what? Uh, You're still going to be able to read it. I just—it's too comical. Okay. Well, I've seen that. a picture of a of a what do you call it? A defibrillator. A baboon. A defibrillator, and it says defibrillator on it in Comic Sans, and it's just like. Why? It's like, why? Can't take that seriously. Can't take it serious. I'm afraid you shock someone that start laughing. <laughs> yeah. We're font nerds. Riley is God, not. fonts are just, I don't. Yeah. Comic Sans 1, Papyrus 2. Just freaking tight. Fonts that need to die. Uh, also from Adam K 63 how great was it that Robert took his We Own This State sign into the bars in Aggieville? <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Oh, Robert, you're the best. Oh, my God. The best thing I've seen was Barstool K-State putting a video out there. It says, Robert is in the Ville. Time to black out. <laughs> Unbelievable. That, go, that's got to be a top five Robert moment, right? That's awesome. The women won in Lawrence. <laughs> hey, Robert, what are Saturdays for? Well, the women won in Lawrence yesterday. <laughs> love, love it. Last question of overtime from Canelio. I just loved both signing days coverage here. It's a totally new world for us when it comes to following K-State football. How was it for the staff at Go Powercat? So much fun. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Sitting on quotes right now. Oh, we've got so much information we haven't shared. We've got features on every head coach, or every head coach, every new coach coming. Um, like I said, we're waiting on a couple photos. We've got so much stuff. I've got two other features that I ask questions for on hold. Um, because we're going to go now from here to the start of spring practice. Uh, but if we need something more, we could probably have a sit down with the coach. It's just incredible. It, they're accessible now. It's not us against them. It's we're trying to cover Kansas State sports. We're trying to provide the fan base with usable, informative, and uh, independent information. 
And sports information does a great job, Riley. They really do. They, their social media presence is awesome. Corbin McGuire is a great writer that does the stuff for the official K-State site. But that's the official story. You know, that's that's what they want you to Propaganda. see. Propaganda. You know, and, and that's fine when all things are good. Basketball's winning. Football's got under staff. Yippee. But we take pride in being independent. Sometimes we write things that aren't rah rah go team, and you know that's that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be independent journalists who cover K State, and for the most part, Uglum are K Staters. It's <laughs> the first guy I've hired that isn't well. Uglum. I've had a photographer that's not, but yeah, as writer, she's the first first person we've hired that has not been a K State graduate. Uglum, <laughs> just taking a shot at him. <laughs> The North Dakota Flash. I hope he listens to this. Oh, man. Well, that's it for the Powercat Podcast. That's it. It was a long one, I think. I don't know. We took so many breaks in between. Had a new coach hired, everything. We've been recording for a long time. Let's yeah. just say that. Okay. And uh, that'll do it for really this week of our mass coverage here at Go Powercat. The boys are heading to Waco. Woo! Complete coverage of the Cats and the Bears. Saturday evening, afternoon, depending on what you think of 5 p.m. We'll be coming at GoPowerCat.com. Free stuff, VIP stuff, all kinds of stuff. When we cover a game, we do it right. And if the Cats win, we do more. We don't we don't race out of the gym so we can go have a drink. We do more coverage at GoPowerCat than anyone else in the market. We'll be back, and thanks to The Fridge for being our sponsor forever and ever and ever. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.